The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Pit Life Barbecue Podcast. Join us around the pit as we talk all things barbecue. Now here is your host, Johnny Mags. What's up, everybody? Coming to you live from the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe in Salem, New Hampshire. Welcome back to another episode of the Pit Life Barbecue Podcast. What's up there, Chrissy? What's up, Johnny? Nothing. I'm back. I'm back. How do we do? 26th. Okay. 26th overall out of 39 teams. Um, not Not, you know, not upset about that. thought that was pretty damn good for, you know, technically my first, you know, quote unquote pro competition. Right. Um, I know exactly what I did. I fucked my cook up. There you go. Fucked it all up. And I know exactly how I did it. I rested everything in the in, in the cooler. No airflow. So everything just kept on cooking. Oh no. You know, so you know, did okay. My my ribs, as far as I was concerned, were shit. But they took 17th. <laughs> Say, they go. You know, I think it was a 28th chicken. You know, it was a little dark, and I actually did crack my box, so I got dinged on that. Right. Um Brisket was fucked, 33rd, so whatever, better than I thought it was going to be. There you go, Sam. Then then my pork was 22nd, the money muscle. That was nice. I I really had no issue with that one. But uh, know what I did, fix it, took away so much, learned so much. That's what it's all about. And then, you know, saw all the, got to hang out with the boys for the weekend Met a lot of new people, which was great. You know, we had some bitching weather. <laughs> yeah. 95 yeah. to 50. Yep. Rain, wind, thunder, tents flying and holding down tents. And but there you go. So at the end of it, you would say you had fun? Oh, I had a blast. There you go. And had you learned a, a lot. Blast. So you may not have placed as high as, you know. I have to say okay. something right now. Okay. Hi, Heidi. Hi, Heidi. Matt's wife. Oh. <laughs> she's listening in one room. Matt's listening in the other. She's yelling at him to put his earbuds on because she's using the volume. Nice. But yeah, Dan and Kristen from 16 Match, Dan's brother Chris, you know, thank you guys all. Chris Rosinski, uh, Tim Rogers, Greg, the barbecue broker, you know, thank you guys all for, uh, you know, making me feel welcome there. And uh, the hospitality, the food was flying around. It was, it was fantastic. And uh, I will see you all in August in Maine. There you go. Let's see here. Mad, Mad Max, calling you out, brother. Daddy Dutch, Randy Salinas, what's happening? Chris Sandor, Mrs. Mags, Rico, what's happening? So, all right, Chrissy, let's roll. Let's go. Today. Oh, yeah. Shit. Oh, Sorry. Can, no, that's My okay. bad. What'd you do to your finger? Oh, I jammed it real bad. No shit. Yeah. My middle finger, for those of you that can't see it, or oh, no one can see me because I'm off camera, idiot. Yeah, I just jammed my finger really bad, so it just looks like I want to fl- flip people off constantly. Well, you do anyway. I never realized how many, like, 
times I do thumbs up in a day until I do it now because while I do thumbs up, I flip people off constantly. I'm like, oh my God, I did to this beautiful old lady the other day at a restaurant. I was like, yeah, we're great. Thank you. Thumbs up. I'm like, I'm so sorry, ma'am. But yeah, eh, I'll live. It's whatever. It's not broken. Anyway, today's show brought to you by the number one best tasting shake on the planet, Uncle Steve's Shake. Uncle Steve's Shake is handmade, hand-measured, hand-mixed, and hand-packed. Uncle Steve's Shake is made with the finest of ingredients and comes in... 14 amazing flavors now with the newest addition, the Texas Cajun. That's right. Uh, we also have the new CJ's West Coast Shake as well, uh, including the competition line as well and the incredible dessert shake. And don't forget his sauce with no name. No matter what you're eating, Uncle Steve's Shake has a shake for it. If you have any questions, Uncle Steve has great customer service to help you with all your shake needs. Go to UncleStevesShake.com to order your shakes today. Also, while you're there on that website, you're going to find some fantastic tips and recipes for the shakes. You'll be amazed at just how versatile these shakes are. And while you're online, why not head on over to Facebook and join Uncle Steve's Shake Nation to stay up to date with all the latest creations made using Uncle Steve's shakes and maybe share some of your own. It's time to step up your backyard barbecue and your competition barbecue game with Uncle Steve's shakes. Shake some on what? Everything. Everything. Oh, today also brought to you by Two Guys Smoke Shop and Two Guys Cigars.com. Whether I'm barbecuing or not, I always keep the smoke rolling. Thanks to my friends at Two Guys Cigars.com. I'm not smoking anything today, but if I oh. was. It would be from two guys, thanks to twoguyscigars.com. What if I did my job? There you go. There's a cigar. There you go. There you go. Thanks to my friends at twoguyscigars.com. I get to smoke some of the best cigars in the world, and so can you. Just visit twoguyscigars.com for your perfect barbecue companion. That's the number two, guyscigars.com. Also, today's show brought to you by Magna Chef Gloves. Whether you are the family grill master or a professional pit master, quality tools are always going to make it easier for you to do your best work behind that grill. Longtime firefighter and founder of Magna Chef, Alan Fante, he knows a thing or two about fire management. He designed the Magna Chef gloves and the Freedom Barbecue gloves for you to get in and out of fast with magnetic swivel plates. You can easily slip in and out of these gloves. They're going to keep your hands cool and allow you to cook and grill safely. No more getting stuck in hot gloves. Depending on your glove preference, Magna Chef gives you two options. The first is the classic Magna Chef barbecue glove, which is made of food grade silicon, web fit for a firmer grip, dishwasher safe, one size fits all, and heat rated up to 500 degrees Fahrenheit. They also have the Freedom Barbecue Gloves. It's the more traditional five-finger, flexible and pliable grip. 14-inch long cuff to protect your forearms. Made of heat-resistant neoprene, heat rated up to 932 degrees Fahrenheit. These gloves help extend your time over that fire. Both styles of Magna Chef gloves are great for barbecue and kitchen use. Head on over to magnachef.com today. That's M-A-G-N-E chef.com and order yourself a pair of each today. And at the checkout, make sure you use the promo code FREEDOMLIVES for 10% off your order. Magnus Chef Barbecue Gloves, Master the Fire. Freedom Barbecue Gloves, take a stand, free your hand. Also brought to you by Custom Cutting Boards, iRust.com. Ian Hemming is creating what I call the Yeti of cutting boards. These boards take an absolute beating, and they stood up to everything we put it through this weekend. No problem on that. From, your, from the dishwasher board, which is your standard countertop size board, to the absolutely massive 18 by 36 inch brisket board. And for all the pizza cookers out there, he's got you covered too with the pizza board for that perfect slice every time. Uh, 
deep lip reservoirs catch all the juicy goodness. The rubber on the bottom, even on a wet surface, and believe me, I put it to the <laughs> test this weekend. These boards will not slip on you. Even on a wet Coming down in sheets wet surface, yep. these boards did not move. Um, custom engraving available, multi-colors available, color combinations available. Yeah. Check them out at customcuttingboardsrs.com and tell them I sent you. That's custom, custom cutting boards R us. That's the letter R us.com. All right, let's go. Efren, what's up? Gray Reiner, Chapin. Robert, my brother, what's happening? T- today's going to be interesting because I got all types of questions for this I'm sure today's you do. guest because <laughs> he, it's an interesting combination of the things he does. We're talking butcher, also pilot, yeah, and now author. So let's get into it, ladies and gentlemen. Please welcome Matt Moore. Matt, what's happening, brother? Thanks so much for having me. Oh man, my pleasure, my pleasure. Um, for to just to start it out, please tell everybody who you are, how you got into you know the barbecue world or the butchering and er- everything else, and then we'll roll from there. Yeah, sure. Um, my name is Matt Moore. I live in Nashville, Tennessee. Also, feel like I live on American Airlines most of the time, and. Um, <laughs> I have written five cookbooks, actually. Oh, so, okay. uh, first book was um, <clears throat> first book was called Have a River for Dinner. Back when I was a single guy, I, I figured out the rhythm, and uh, uh, that turned out pretty well for me and married a lovely lady and followed that book up with a book called The Southern Gentleman's Kitchen, which was really my homage to uh, the South and our food, our cuisine, uh, but probably more importantly, the idea that you can become a better man through food. It gives you an opportunity to... Uh, showcase hospitality and generosity and intellectual curiosity as well. Um, I wrote my book on barbecue. It's called The South's Best Butts. Uh, It's not a calendar. Uh, It was an homage to the pork butt. And we traveled uh, the 12 states that make up the barbecue belt and interviewed pit masters and kind of got into the opportunity to tell their stories and and share recipes and uh, followed that with a book that came out in 2020 called Cereal Griller, uh, where we basically took everything that was low and slow from the South's best butts and turned it up a notch and did everything hot and fast for cereal griller. And um really excited about this book, Butcher on the Block. It's really kind of the book that I feel like I was meant to write. Um, I come from a, a family of butchers. My my grandfather was a butcher and, and going back to uh, the time that they came over to the United States, uh, it's kind of run in the family blood. And on my dad's side of the business, he was in the cattle business for many years. So We get to combine uh, a lot of family stories, uh, barbecuing and butchering and grilling and, you know, also raw, roasted, fried and everything in between. So excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure, man. My pleasure. Now, where does flying planes come into it? (laughs) You know, because she, because Sharon emailed me today saying, you know, we got a little thing and I'm like, what's up? What's up? Well, he's landing. He's flying. He's a pilot. I go, you never said that. I could go, yeah, he's landed. I'm like, he might be able to do it from the hangar. I'm like, oh, that'll be cool. But how how did that how does that come in? Uh I I'm really just a jack of all trades, master of none. Um, so I think uh, when it came to piloting, 
Uh, I promise I know how to land the plane and fly safely. That probably gave everybody <laughs> a little bit of a scare. But, I was just about to know, say, you better master uh, that one real quick. <laughs> um, I grew up, uh, you know, one of my best friend's dad was was one of that guy that you always had that would take you hunting and fishing and uh, shooting guns. And he flew airplanes and rebuilt classic cars. And when I became um, just married, I, my family lives about seven hours away and decided it was time for me to get my pilot's license. And I like to say that when I can smell the smoke um, and see a little bit of fire, I know it's safe to land. And uh, being here in Nashville, Tennessee, we get to fly all over the barbecue belt and enjoy yeah. some great food. And it allows me to time travel and go have that $100 uh, pork sandwich. There you go. There you go. All right. That's cool. That's cool. So let's get to the the, the butchering. So family, obviously family lineage in butchering. Now, you still butchering or? No. So my grandfather sold his business um, right around the, the early 1980s. Um, so his son uh, did the exact opposite. He became a banker. Uh, so that was the last lineage of our family that, that served in the trade. And so it was my opportunity to uh, to kind of pick up the reins and, and be able to posthumously recognize my grandfather, but also take uh, a tour from Chinatown in San Francisco to the Bronx, to the south of France, to Enterprise, Alabama, and everywhere in between, and get in front of butchers. Um, it doesn't matter if it was meat, game, seafood, and, and quite honestly, vegetables too these days. Um, I'm really the grand conductor of the circus. So I'm I'm taking you on the ride, saying to close the plane door, let's get up and let's go meet some people and share some great food. Oh, nice. Okay, okay. So, like you said, this is your fifth book. What got you into writing in order I, to start start doing the books? Yeah, I mean, it's a happy accident. So uh, I live in Nashville, Tennessee. And like most people that live in Nashville, Tennessee, we had a prior life uh, in music. And I was originally kind of in the what we call the jam band world. So the country music, bluegrass jam band world. And uh, got to travel all over and tour with a lot of great folks and uh, my thing was always, if we played a gig in Louisiana, I was going to stop somewhere on the coast and pick up uh, 200 pounds of crawfish and invite every friend that I knew and do a crawfish boil back in Athens, Georgia. And, um, you know, cooking was something that I grew up with in my family, with my mom and my grandmother. So it was never foreign to me. And it was always a chance for me to kind of slow down and entertain. And so in Nashville, I wasn't really happy with the songs I was writing. Um, they weren't uh, whatever the version of country music is today that's on the radio, I was probably writing a little bit more old school classic country and okay. uh, had an idea one day that I wanted to do something different. And uh, in a little one bedroom apartment in Nashville, Tennessee, started typing away on a little manuscript and um, was basically turned down by every agent and publisher in America, uh, but was persistent and continued forward and decided to learn how to shoot photography, how to edit, how to design um, and I self-published that book, and it ended up becoming one of the New York Times best books. Excellent. There you go. So do, don't take no for an answer. In yeah, persi- no be is, persistent. Uh, no is motivation for me. Yeah. If you, if you feel strongly about it, just keep on rolling on it and may, literally will it to in into existence. Indeed. Shit, that was hard to say. I knew <laughs> what I wanted to say, just my, my tongue wouldn't let me help, help me. So this is a new book, Butcher on the Block, Everyday Recipes, Stories, and Inspirations from Your Local Butcher and Beyond. 
And I've gone through it, and it is fantastic. And, you know, writing the acknowledgments is your wife in front of the plane. That's uh, my photographer. So uh, Andrea Behrens, um, she has shot the last three books. She travels on the road with me um, and really makes everything that I do look good. But uh, this book season offered a little bit of a different twist. Uh, Before we headed out on the road, she let me know that she was pregnant. So the first picture that you see by the plane was our first trip. uh, And then you see a a whole hog that had been butchered in Italian fashion in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, with a baby bear about six months later on the road with us. So it was a great opportunity (laughs) for me to to honor her work and, and... you know, we're like brother and sister on the road together. It was a great opportunity right. to uh, make the family band. Cool, cool. And then we get into the introduction, and there's some family photos. So your grandfather, military man? Yeah, so, yeah. you know, really the crux of the book, we're starting to hit into the um, Independence Day, but um, my grandfather, the, the story was that um, he was stationed in Biloxi, Mississippi, a place called Kessler Field. And back then it was the United States Army Air Force. They weren't split. And he had offers uh, from his from his CEO, his commanding officer, that he was going to be deployed in, in the fall of 1941 to a little place called Pearl Harbor. Um, and being the first generation immigrant that he was born on American soil, I can only imagine what he probably thought at that time that he was going to go see you know, uh, hula skirts and, and, and big waves. Um, but eventually a few weeks before he was, he was deployed, um, he was told to stay in Mississippi and December 7th, 1941, we know what transpired. So uh, he was really blessed to, um, you know, stay back. He had some friends that were part of Pearl Harbor and lost some friends during that eventually ended up, um, serving on Pearl Harbor, but he was a mess sergeant. So he was largely, uh, outside of any action, you know, his brother, probably the best story that I ever came across. And, you know, I think I tell people this all the time. I have this incredible opportunity to write books and it's my job to write about everybody else. Um, I've written a lot of of my family history and my story, uh, but I have so much fun going out on the road and being able to tell other people's stories. But in Butcher in the Block, uh, I had the opportunity to revisit my family story. So my, my grandfather's brother, my great uncle, uh, he was actually stationed in New Guinea at the time. And he told a a beautiful story before he passed away that he was in the foxholes and every day the Japanese zeros would come and strafe the fields and they'd smoke a lucky strike. And it was kind of a gentleman style war. Nobody was really doing ready to engage in battle at that time. And he had an airmail package that came. um, And I live in the South, so we we have mason jars everywhere. And if you collect mason jars, you're looking for the light blue 32 mason jars. Those are really valuable. So my great great grandmother had sent fried chicken and she had put it in the jars with newspaper, sealed it tight and shipped it from Valdosta, Georgia. And it made its way to New Guinea. And uh, he talked about how time and space just stopped in the moment. And we still debate whether or not it was good. But I like to say, if you've had our family's fried chicken, it can make you believe in the impossible. Oh, that is awesome. That's a hell of a story. That's great. Then we get into the tools and you have a nice page on dry aging at home, which is Fantastic, because the, obviously the dry aging is extremely popular these days, <coughs> and you know it's gone from you know a twenty age, thirty, forty five. Now there's guys getting getting wild with it over a year dry aged, and it's it's wild. But you go through 
the dry aging at home because you can do it. And, you know, with relative ease, as long as you understand the process. Yeah, you know, the first line of the book is, this is not a book about butchering. It's about the butcher, right? And so really what I wanted to do is is create kind of a snapshot in the here and now from, as I mentioned, not only the United States, but we travel to the south of France as well, and just dig into the heart and soul of the people. Um, I really strongly believe that a meal is only as good as your ingredients. And that's especially true in barbecue, right? The less that we do to it, the more prophetic it's going to become. And oftentimes, we don't think about the quality of those base ingredients like the meats that we're procuring. And so I really wanted to, to be able to offer this opportunity to showcase some, some really different personalities that cross all cultural lines um, to be able to introduce you to some really great people. Because I think, you know, at the end of the day, we sit down and we have a great piece of brisket, a chicken wing, a steak, uh, a piece of shrimp, even a, a literally a, a chopped vegetable salad. If, if it's good food, it's going to bring people together. And so there's a lot of books that are written on the technique of butchering. But that being said, um, in the beginning of the book, I wanted to offer what we call kind of a primer of butchering at home. You know, during the, the pandemic, I would go to the grocery store and I had a field day because I noticed that whole chickens were there, but chicken breasts and chicken thighs were sold out. Uh, whole briskets were there, but steaks were sold out. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, bone in pork racks and everything else were all there, but your chops were all sold out. And so it kind of turned me on to the idea that most home cooks just don't know how to approach the very basic things. So we do lay out a template for you on butchering a chicken, trimming a tenderloin. You know, every holiday comes around, you go to somebody that has no idea what they're doing. They left the silver skin on. They haven't trimmed the tenderloin. So I wanted <laughs> to give them the basics. Um, and dry aging is another piece. You know, I, I really encourage you at the end of the day, the book is about community. It's about striking friendships. And you meet a couple people in the book, uh, especially Tommy Kelly, who He's not at a, a hipster butcher shop. He's at a Kroger, which is a major uh, grocery store. And, and just because the Kroger isn't locally owned doesn't mean that there's some great people working in that store. And I've been able to foster a friendship. I can call him right now and say, hey, Tommy, you know, I know the pork steaks are coming in. I know they're going to sell out tomorrow morning. Uh, why, don't you, why don't you hold about 10 of those in the back for me, man? You know, so creating that friendship oh, yeah. is really what it's all about. And dry aging is, is a deep, dark path, right? You and I could wax poetically about you know, you putting your meat in the cooler too early, not providing the right ventilation. What was the paper and the gauge of the foil or the wrap? Blah, 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 blah. Same thing with dry aging. But there are some accessible ways that you can approach it at home. Um, but I often tell you that that's one of the big differentiators, the locally handmade sausages, the fresh ground meat, the dry aged cuts, and the alternative cuts that you're going to be able to pick up at your local butcher. Yeah, and you have a common butchering techniques section, you know, showing you how to do it. But it's funny you say that during the pandemic. That, yeah, you could find whole chickens and briskets. You couldn't find anything else. <clears throat> and I, I was literally at the store, and it was, it was, it was, a, it was a full pork loin. <clears throat> and I'm, I'm sitting there, and there was a bunch of them there, and I'm just eyeing things. Because I don't fit well in a grocery store. <laughs> I get assaulted often, especially by little old ladies with shopping carts, because they just they just go in a in a line whether I'm there or not, and I'm not fast enough to get out of the way, obviously. But they would these these people were having a conversation of there's nothing here, and you know yes there was everyone was buying up everything, 
and well, what do we do with this? What do we do with this? And I just come by, well, excuse me, and I just grab a couple, and I go, well, what are you doing? I go, I know how to cook this. <laughs> so I know exactly what I can get out of this. <laughs> They're like, how do you do it? I go, barbecue. Learn it. Love it. Live it. <laughs> Indeed. Share it too, right? <laughs> yeah, share it. You know, at, at, at that point, I'm just grabbing anything before I shared anything. But, but yeah, funny you said that. Now, let's get into the guts of the book. Now, the very first recipe here, speaking of guts, it's a gutsy recipe to, to, to roll out with right off the bat. You swung for the fences. We're talking, guys, whole, whole, whole hogshead tacos. Let's go, brother. Yeah, you know, we um, the first place that we went was Cambridge City, Indiana. Uh, three generations uh, coming from Germany originally, last name Rim. So everything you expect uh, from the great state of Indiana. And it's a family-run operation. Um, it's a place that's really processing. So you'll find some of the best pork chops, some of the best uh, jerkies and steaks. And so you can actually order their food uh, and have it shipped across the country. But uh, the whole hogshead, the idea, you know, there's so much meat that occurs within the the jowls of the hog. So mm-hmm. they make jowl bacon. You know, the Italians make guancali. They make all these different cuts. And so um, the the pit master, if you will, Joey, who's kind of taken over the family reins, he had a wedding and uh, he said he had to figure out a way to feed 100 people on a cheap budget. And as a processor, they had a lot of hogsheads and he put it on his smoker one day. He pulled the meat. And he made a whole hogshead taco and everybody fell in love with it and it was delicious. And so I don't seek those recipes when I show up. They typically come to me. Um, So that was one of those recipes that, you know, obviously you could sub out a pork shoulder and still get the same effect. But it's making use of what I think are alternative cuts. And there's a lot of utility behind it. You know, another really great one that we got, I was talking to the family patriarch um, and he was talking about when he used to work the line and he would trim ribeyes and uh, strip steaks. And if you've ever seen, um, you know, kind of the tails of those steaks, oftentimes there's a big piece of fat and then kind of almost like a, a pearl of meat that sort of lives at the bottom of that. And oftentimes when you go to the stores, they've trimmed that fat and they've used it for a grind or for, or for something else. And so he would often kind of take the time to debone that little pearl of meat. They'd be working the line all day and he'd soak it in some Worcestershire. And he'd say at the end of the day, he'd just kind of pick up a piece with some toasted bread and eat it. And I, I just looked at him. I said, I need the recipe. So there's no recipe. There's two ingredients, raw meat and Worcestershire sauce. sauce. And so he went and cut some of the tail trimmings and he served it. And, you know, there's there's a lot of great bites that I have um, in the year process that it takes to write a cookbook. Uh, that's one that stands with me over the last five books for sure. Yeah. And then there, there's the recipe right there. Steak tips in Worcestershire. Very <laughs> simple. <laughs> you know, um, the fried sweetbreads. Now you're talking. Chrissy, do you know what sweetbreads are? I don't believe I do. Google it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's delicious. You know, I'm just looking for the face. Yeah, I just, I'm confused. You'll now. get there. I got images. I'm like, that is so, not, that's not bread. No, it's not. <laughs> but, you know, you got boudin egg rolls. Yes, you know, and that's the you know the the Linehan Smith and Daniel Jackson piece of meat that this chapter out of New Orleans. So you got a lot of Cajun 
inspired dishes, boudin egg rolls, smoked pork chops, grits, and red-eye gravy. Oh, that's, that's breakfast, lunch, and dinner written all over it. And in, in it, it's, it's, the book is just full, you know, and the, the recipes are nice. You know, it gives you your serving size, you know, your, your basically your hands-on cooking time. Well, your prep time and your cooking time, and, you know, if there's a sauce that goes well with it, you have that recipe right infused in the recipe itself. But I had to stop right here, because this is one of my favorite cakes of all time, is the Spiced Carrot Layer Cake Brown Butter Cream Frosting. You know, oh. that's a great... It's a great recipe, and it comes from the least likely of places, um, Cara Mangini, who is and was the very first vegetable butcher at Italy in New York. And I know that sounds a little tongue-in-cheek, maybe for some folks that that listen to your podcast, especially on barbecue. Um, but the truth be told, a lot of people don't know how to actually break down vegetables when it yeah. comes to properly serving if I'm going to make a great coleslaw, there's a technique to the cabbage, to the carrots, and to the items that I'm going to bring. And so, you know, she serves her purpose in that carrot cake. I think it's even gluten-free and cruelty-free, whatever you want to name it. I can tell you it was delicious. And uh, it's one of those recipes that still stands the test of time when I think of the time that we spent with her in San Francisco and just kind of learned how she approaches vegetables. Um, she's not a vegetarian. She's not vegan. She just believes that vegetables should be more at the center of the plate. Um, and I think that was a really important aspect of the 12 butchers that we feature around the world to showcase that it's not all just meat and game, but we do include vegetables and seafood as well. Yeah. And like you're saying, it's not necessarily a barbecue book. You know, it, it covers barbecue. It covers, like you said, the, the, the desserts, the grilling techniques. But in the barbecue world today, especially in the competition, the a book like this is very handy because of all the ancillary categories that go on now, you know, because sure. there are dessert, you know, categories. And like you said, the, the carrot cake and right in the back, you have a maple bacon cupcakes and there's a, there's a, a Bloody Mary recipe. You know, I'm looking at a sausage and tomato risotto, you know, all these, you know, these are, these are ancillary categories you know, you can find in. So, like you said, you did a really tremendous job with the book in covering so many different aspects. And it's very cool of like how you said you broke it up from the different people in the different regions. You know, yeah. how was that experience? And how long did that take, you know, bouncing around for, for the book with the travel and meeting now would it be like a day at a certain spot or would you spend a couple days and really get dive in deep yeah you know when we wrote south's best butts um we had limited geography because we covered the 12 states that make up the barbecue belt and um we wrote that book in about a four-month period um, typically spending one to two days on site including travel and you know when i have the story i have the story if i don't have the story i stay and i keep eating um, so that was a kind of a very almost Southern style experience. When I wrote Serial Griller, uh, we, we still traveled about 10,000 miles in a, in a three to four month span, but we, we went coast to coast and covered the entire country. 
for Butcher on the Block, I felt like it was really important for me to expand the horizons. Um, obviously, I'd mentioned earlier, uh, my photographer, Andrea Behrens, uh, ended up uh, having her baby in the middle. So we, we we actually spent about a year just so that we could give ourselves some time and space. Uh, and I think we probably traveled over 30,000 miles, um, ultimately going to Europe to to respect and honor the grand tradition of butchering that I think still exists so lively in Europe that you're seeing kind of a, a comeback here in the United States as well. So I'd say on average, we're spending a, a day or so, uh, maybe two days on site. And again, it's sort of a vignette. It's a slice of life story. It's the here and now. It's the backgrounds. It's the sights. It's the smells. It's the sounds and the cadence and the philosophy. And then we ultimately share the recipes. I'm so glad that you brought up barbecue. If you turn to just the one of the first pages in the book next to the title page, you're going to see a cut that I think is really going to start to kind of take over an American barbecue, um, which is just that page right there, yep. which is... The- the beef hammer, right? And I found out about this. I'm I'm the least social media guy, but I spend a lot of time traveling in Europe, and we've got a lot of friends that are in in Germany, and we know our German friends love grilling and they love barbecue. And the beef hammer is this idea of the the beef shank, which you French the bone, so you end up with this massive. It's the same cut of as, a, as an asabuco, but you French the bone so that you almost end up with this hammer. And by applying, you know, American and Southern barbecue technique. You know, it's something that we cook low and slow. Um, it needs a little bit more love than a, than a brisket because it's not quite as fatty. So instead of just being able to maybe wrap that or crutch it as we do in maybe barbecue circles, we kind of put it in a shallow braise. And we end up with sort of this mixture between um, like a, a brisket texture or a shoulder clod and kind of a pulled beef, kind of a chuck roast yeah. style, which I think is really incredible for the barbecue world. Not only because it looks damn cool, but it tastes incredible as well. So I am starting to introduce you into other areas of barbecue that I've taken on. You know, after writing my book on barbecue, South's Best Butts, we get to explore a lot of technique and a lot of what I kind of um, stay true to in terms of traditional barbecue. But there's a a Greek pork butt where we're taking the the, the pork shoulder, we're emulating the, the euros that you find um, throughout Greece, which are predominantly always pork. We're incorporating onions and olives and serving it on pita with feta cheese and, you know, all the trimmings. So it's kind of like your pork sandwich sort of taken to a different level. Excellent. Yeah. You know, the beef hammer or Thor's hammer, how you see it. But, yeah, it, it it's it's a it's a different cook. It's a different kind for sure, but it is tremendous. Um, like I said, here, here's one. Roasted Hasselback potatoes. They're just fantastic. And you, any, any way you want to slice it, see what I did there? Butcher it. <laughs> <laughs> Butcher it. But there is a chapter in this book that is very near and dear to my heart. Obviously, with my accent, you know which chapter I am talking about. Jared Auerbach, Red's Best Boston Mass. Tell me all about your experience here in Boston. You know, Jared's an incredible guy. Um, His story is fascinating. Trying to keep up with him on the dock um, of just such a famous place in Boston. You you take a guy that is passionate about just fishing in general, you know, kind of leaving his home and his family. I think his early beginnings were... He wanted to catch fish to feed his family, uh, even though his parents were both professors and, and didn't have uh, 
short of means on anything along those lines. But after school, he 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 moves to Alaska and he takes a risk. You know, he calls a, a captain. This is before the Internet, before email. And, you know, on a hope and a whim, he goes out and he learns the the Alaskan salmon fishing business. And he comes back to Boston and he almost gives it up uh, for security and education. Uh, but he lets technology sort of drive this new approach. And this is what I really love. You know, I get to meet people on their turf at, at his place of business. And, and he's able to recount this story of why he's in this in the beginning. You know, if you look at commercial fishing, a lot of it hasn't changed for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. And, and we send a big boat to go out on the water. We catch what we catch. Whatever we catch the first day is not going to be processed until two weeks later when we come back to the dock. And if you look at restaurants and the old school menus of chefs, they're planning out three months from now that they want halibut or they want grouper on their menu. Jared does the exact opposite. He goes to the local fishermen and he says, look, I'm going to be a better market maker for you. And I'm going to buy whatever you have. You go out today. You catch it today. We're going to put a QR code that gives you the recognition. It gives you the time and the place and where you've caught it in New Hampshire or wherever that might be, Massachusetts. And when you come back, I'm going to create the market so that Harvard University is not serving cod when it's out of season. We're going to serve fluke or skate or something, a fresher product at a better cost. And so being able to leverage that side of technology with the passion, but more or less combining it with supporting the local independent fishermen, you know, it, it almost kind of brings you to tears at the end of the day. That's what they're there for. And if you walk his his office on, on the harbor, um, you're going to see just faces of the local fishermen that he's buying from on a daily basis. And to me, that's what it's all about. It's recognizing those types of people that are doing things the hard way because there's a better end for all of us to consume. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, I saw that chapter. I'm like, oh, here we go. And I'm, I'm actually afraid to show my wife the the first recipe on that because she loves them so much. The scallop rolls in with yeah. with the tartar sauce. You know, because obviously New England is known for their lobster rolls, but you know the the fried or seared scallops. Um, but yeah. I had never seen that. I, honestly, yeah. I mean, I travel the Northeast all the time. And um, when we went to his his spot in the uh, in the market, you know, he, he kind of was pushing for the, the lobster roll. And I said, well, look, everybody else can do a lobster roll. I said, tell me about the scallop roll. Yeah. And honestly, we all know the texture. It's, it's just quickly flat flash fried. It's just sweet and tender and meaty. And it's just the perfect accompaniment. It's got to be fresh. It's got to be good. And we respect the ingredients and we treat it really lightly. Yeah, it's yeah the the the, f- the food around there, they 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 take it very serious, you know, especially the seafood around, and like you said, just that that seaport district and everything, and you know the all all the piers and everything up in Gloucester, all the fishermen out of yep. there, and you know Rye, New Hampshire, Rye Beach area, you know they they're out they're out all year long, and you know and, and rule number one, don't mess with a lobsterman. <laughs> Learn the hard way, if you will. I'm not going to divulge any secrets, um, but yeah, the, the book is fantastic. Bacon, buttermilk, cornbread, um, smash fried okra, banana peppers, ranch, spaghetti squash, brown butter, grilled skirt steak with tomato sauce and capers. It's it is fantastic. London broil. So here's the main question. Here's, here's the big question. With this book, Matt, please put together 
out of everything in this book, the ultimate meal start to finish. Whew. You're going to hit me with a hard one. Um, there's a dish in there that's kind of near and dear to my heart. Um, you know, I, I was given the opportunity to, to recognize my grandfather. So we come from uh, Lebanese culture. So a lot of French influence in the cooking, a lot of Middle Eastern flavors, but uh, born and raised in Valdosta, Georgia. So we got all the Southern charm, but there's an incredible dish there called Kibbe Naya, which is sort of the Lebanese version of beef tartare. And for me, it's ceremonial. It's something that we serve on the holidays, which is essentially just raw beef. Uh, we take a, a very cheap cut, like a sirloin cut. It's very, very lean. We grind it three times. I have a grinder here at the house that I use specific for that purpose. Uh, when I was a kid growing up, we would go to the butcher shop early in the morning when the when the blades were clean and we would ask for it to be yeah. done. You mix it with some, some pureed onion, some bulgur wheat, and you serve it on some bread. And that's kind of the start of a holiday meal. So that would be probably one of my appetizers. Um, I, I do kind of create some utility throughout the, the the rest of the book. So you find about 60 recipes that we glean from the butchers that we travel to, and then about another 75 throughout the rest of the book. So one of my favorites is a shrimp on the half shell. Um, you know, I love traveling to Louisiana and, and New Orleans and redfish is one of my favorite fish. And when you're lazy after a day of, of catching redfish and drinking beer, the last thing you want to do is fillet the whole fish. And so you cut it off the off the, the backbone and you lay that thick skin on a charcoal grill and it cooks like on a half shell, like an yeah. oyster. Well, you can do the exact same technique over kind of uh, medium to indirect heat on your grill. You just cut a large shrimp in half and you lay it on the half shell. You baste it with some butter and parsley. So another appetizer for you. Um, you know, I think there's some really delicious takes on on a lot of different meals, but probably the one that I'm really jonesing on right now um, is a skirt steak, excuse me, a flank steak which I love flank. It's got a lot of flavor. It's an affordable cut. Um, for those that are in the grilling space, one of the biggest difficulties you have on a flank steak is getting a really good sear, like a hard sear, because the striations of the muscle that come from here, you know, it, it, it's almost hard. It doesn't, it doesn't want to take on that Maillard reaction that we get at a very high temperature. So instead we score it. So we basically let it kind of breathe and open up. And by scoring it, i.e. sort of a butchering technique, we sear it hard over, over direct heat. Uh, we finish it until it's a perfect medium rare. And then we put it together on the board and we create a board sauce. Um, I'm sure that a lot of your folks love Adam Perry Lang. He's doing the pop-up barbecues all throughout yep. Southern California. And he's so sort of the inventor of this idea that we take, you know, herbs. In this case, it's, it's capers, it's Dijon mustard, it's shallot, it's a little bit of honey. And, and we slice the meat into that sauce and the drippings of the meat combined with the board and the sauce and you mentioned the cutting board earlier about those deep grooves that hold yeah. it all together. To me, that would be a great main. I love the catch-all salad. Elements happen on the grill, maybe the roasted Hasselback potatoes. Um, and then ultimately, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm going to have a cocktail or two with some bacon-infused bourbon uh, and probably those maple bacon cupcakes to finish. Yeah. Is that enough, dude? <laughs> that works for me, brother. That <laughs> works for me. Oh, man. Well, Matt, you know, like you said, Thank you so much for taking the time to join me. Thank you for the book. I, uh, I'm enjoying it. It's, it's tremendous. You did a fantastic job. I'm definitely going to check out the other books, Double Cheese Smash Burgers. Come on now, Matt. You're killing me. Ven venison Spaghetti. How the hell did I miss that? Hold on. 257 is the picture. And there's a there's a picture of every dish. You know, we spend a lot of time 
energy to to make sure that folks oh. can can pick it up for a weeknight meal, but also a Saturday morning read as well. Oh, venison, venison! That is, it is. I wish people would cook it more. You know, it, it even availability for people more to really enjoy it, and you know, learn how to properly cook it. It's like oh, the game you're cooking it wrong. <laughs> you're cooking it wrong. But oh man, yeah, this is fantastic. Um, one of our boys, Chapin, is asking. Um, Everything sounds amazing. Is there a place to bundle and buy all five books? You know, Father's Day is right around the corner. Yeah, you know, my books are available wherever they're sold. I always encourage folks to to patronize your local uh, bookstore in the same way that you uh, patronize your local butcher shop. So, if you stop into a local bookstore, they'll be able to to procure all of those for you. Um, at the same time, you can pick them up at any online outlet as well. Beautiful, Matt. Um, where can everybody find you social media-wise, websites, things like that? Yeah, probably the easiest for me is just Instagram. So it's just um, mattrmore.com. There's a lot of Matt Moores out there. I'm the one that has the R in the middle. All right. All right. So guys and gals. The Butcher on the Block, everyday recipes, stories, and inspirations from your local butcher and beyond by Matt Moore. Get, get, get online, Amazon, hit your local bookstore, check it out. You won't be disappointed. I'll guarantee I'm going to see a couple of these on the, at the different comps hidden somewhere, and I'm going to be giggling like a schoolgirl over it. But, Matt, thank you again, brother. Best, best of luck with the book. It's going to be... a success just it's there's so much love and care you put into this thank you for sharing it with all of us hey thank you man and uh keep on cooking right i'm excited to hear you take number one pretty soon hell yeah brother hang on one second let me close this back and i'll jump right back in with you awesome, awesome chrissy <laughs> Fantastic! It, yeah. But yeah, when I, once once I when I saw the chapter about Boston, I'm like, oh, Ooh, here yep. we go. Nice. You know, I I know the peer he's talking about. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it makes it that little more special. Yeah, it's you, right? it, it's it's fantastic. It's fantastic. Cool. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Time goes so this, fast. It goes by yeah. quick, Jack. Too much. Too fast. Um. What are we got coming down the pipeline? Uh, right now, nothing for next week. Oh. I'm still waiting to hear from my to set this up. I'm kind of oh, okay. trying to leave it all open because this is very special to me. So I'm working on that. And worst comes to worst, we can always come back and talk about the uh, really oh, the comp. In, yeah, in depth, in depth on right. on the comp and all everything right. like that, and how I right. fucked up my cook. <laughs> but you know, like I said. Thank you, Matt, for taking the time to join us. And everybody I met this weekend, thank you for making the rookie, you know, the KCBS rookie, you know, feel right at home with all uh, your hospitality and your friendships. So I look forward to uh, going up against you all again in a couple months. You know, who knows? Maybe I can sneak a one in here and there before. We'll see. We'll see. But... Thank you all for tuning in. Appreciate it. Catch all of the audio wherever podcasts are found. Catch the video on Facebook and YouTube. YouTube, hit that subscribe button, notification bell. You have all the uh, episodes right at your fingertips. 
Follow us on all the social media links down below. Questions, comments, please send them to pitlifebbqpodcast at gmail.com. Like always, subscribe, like, rate, and review. Hit that share button. And until next week, keep the smoke rolling. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.